Hello and welcome to the Dinosaur Man News and Reviews. I'm Andy Hughes. I'm here with Alex Hudson. Officially the third greatest tribute act to Rachel Stevens in the East Midlands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 2013. Because <laughs> we stopped after that, or they stopped giving us the award after that. Well, they didn't run the competition after Rachel Stevens submitted that lawsuit against them, remember? What was our, what was our name? What was our tribute act name? I, I, I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> Rachel Heavens. Okay. It's good. Sweet dreams, my... No. Don't start saying the name of the song and then not have an answer. No, what I, what I like is that I was confident that you must have had something there, but you didn't. Uh, no. It's fine. It's no, fine. I got nothing. You don't have to be always switched on. Oh, no. <laughs> Like, I just had a funny thing that I thought would be a good thing as like an intro. Yeah, and then I tried to yes. You actually me. questioned it as what was that? Never never set something up with and what was the name of that thing unless you are absolutely one hundred percent confident that I will yes and myself. I tried to yes Because I usually <laughs> please don't myself. <laughs> I tried to yes and you and oh god in myself. Um okay. Welcome to the episode, guys. Yeah. How are you doing? It's, it's cold here. Hang on. Who are you asking? Everyone. Including you. Uh, Yeah, it's cold. Is it snowing? But we'll put the heating on after we record and that'll be nice. Oh, yeah, guys. That's our little treat for after mm. we're done. But right now, we're recording it in an igloo. <laughs> we're recording it in the ice palace from dying of a day. Yeah, we're, we're recording in Reykjavik's Ice Hotel or whatever it was. Come on, guys, send that laser beam down. Let's warm us all up. Yeah, but like, it was. Is it good that that was that, that was the plot? Was it was it something about global warming or no? Something like that. Yeah, something like ahead that. of its time, maybe. But yeah, so we are talking from snowy England right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still snowing. I can't. No. Snow. Well, mm, it's it's the kind of snow that you could say is almost rain. Oh no. Um, Snain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but welcome to the episode, guys. Like, we got a lot to get through. Maybe who knows? Have we? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe this will be the quick episode that we always talk about. As far as I know, we've got three things to actual review. We've also got a new segment that will be running for a few weeks until the series ends. Okay. Yes? Is yeah. this correct? So you've got one thing to review. I've got two things to review. Yes. And then we have new segment, special secret new segment. Just wait, guys. We've got a new jingle for it. So what are we reviewing? Okay, so... Spe- mm, no. Special secret new segment. I don't want to unveil it because I've done a theme tune specially for it. Okay. Um, but we are going to be reviewing Pieces of a Woman, uh, The Rental, and Songbird. Yes. And we're also going to be talking about some news. Mm-hmm. And I know what you're thinking, guys. You're thinking, why did they not do a news reviews last week? We already explained this to you. We don't like doing the work. <laughs> Gives us two weeks to watch it, and then we only still watch three things <laughs> in two weeks. My thing I watched last night. <laughs> Uh, well, one of the things I watched this morning, so I think that's probably yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, isn't it? We had two weeks, and that's what we did with it. Yeah, it, we knew it was coming, we just didn't want to do it. It's like doing homework. Yeah, I everyone knows that else. you don't actually have to do homework until the teacher tells you. Unfortunately, the teacher is our audience, and <laughs> guess what? 
you guys won't shut up on Twitter. Well, when's the new news reviews coming out? It's here, and you're going to regret asking for it. You'd rather it be a numbered episode. <laughs> but Admit it. Before we get to those reviews. No. We must do some news. Mm. Before we get There's to no news, news this week. We must take a little jaunt down the alley that is gaming news. All right, it's back from the dead one more time, and this is sure to kill it off. Valve, owner of online PC gaming platform Steam and five other publishers, have been fined a total of 7.8 million euros for restricting cross-border sales of PC video games. So-called geo-blocking means games are locked so that a cheaper license intended for less well-off European countries cannot be used elsewhere. That stopped gamers shopping around for the best deal, said the EU competition commissioner Marguerite Vestager. Uh, Valve this is spicy news. Valve said that it planned to appeal. The other publishers find were <clears throat> Japan's Bandai Namco, makers of the Dark Souls games. I know this because I've seen you play them. Yeah. And Capcom, makers of Resident Evil. I know that because of 2004. Uh, French developer Focus Home, which I think it was a DIY store actually originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, German publisher Cock Media. <laughs> Come on now, boys. Okay. And US-based Zenimax, who... Isn't that Bethesda? Yeah, who... They've just been bought by Microsoft. Whoopsie! Looks like gaming companies still evil in 2021. (laughs) Trying to get that Slovakian license to sell in uh, Britain. You thought that times had changed and actually now things are good. Well, guess what? Mm. Still naughty little boys. You know what? I'm done with them. I think this is the last time I'll ever report on them because I actually believe that they are damaging the world. No, we'll probably still report on gaming. I think they're going to contribute to the downfall of global economy. Oh, probably. Like when they. And they'll say, oh, but we've generated so much income. Yeah, through microtransactions and getting little babies addicted to gambling. Next thing, you go to Las Vegas next year, guess what? You're going to see a baby at the croupier table. (laughs) Huh? He's going to be running the game. Because <laughs> he's got to pay off his gambling Who's big debts? blind? Oh, little Timmy Tinkles over there. Three-year-old Timmy Tinkles in his diaper. <laughs> Play blackjack. Yeah. Goo Goo Gaga, hit me. <laughs> Twist. <laughs> Goo Goo Gaga, full house. <laughs> Great series. If you can say the words, why does he say Goo Goo Gaga first? Because you're a fucking baby. <laughs> what don't you get? He says the words because he's a gambler. He knows gambling words, but he doesn't know how to say, I would like to, stick or twist. He has to say, goo goo gaga, stick or twist. Best poker face of any player, though, because, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know what... I don't know what Tim- he's always crying because he hasn't Timmy got any Tink- milk. I don't know what Timmy Tinkles is thinking. He's sucking on one of his cards right now. Mm. I don't know if that means it's good or bad. Well, it's the queen card. You know that much. Because he's facing it to everyone. Well, why is he sucking on it? He's breastfeeding still. You know it's the queen because it's the only one who looks like his mother. <laughs> Guaranteed. So easy to play against these babies. I'm telling you now. They keep going. They Because they got expendable income. They've literally bet the clothes off their back. I'm oh, sorry, when was the last time you got pocket money? Which is literally money for nothing. Imagine money for just existing. That's what pocket money is, and that is astonishing that it exists. Sorry, for our international listeners, allowance. Or sidewalk money. Does anyone call it sidewalk money? If you're in America, 
That's what they call pavement, so they probably call pockets sides as well. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, sidewalk they really nailed, didn't they? Well, because it's... Because it, it is what it is. Yeah. Pavement? What the fuck's that? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you're really coming in with this Mac- Michael McIntyre. You, you know what? Say. I'm anti-England. I think that much has been true. I, th- I think a lot of the country is now anti-England. Uh, anti-England is my favourite relative. Brilliant. Wow. Just brilliant. So, are you pleased that I brought back gaming Everyone news? Everyone is. We got to hear about Timmy Tinkles. Mm-hmm. Um, should we move on to some regular news? Probably. Okay, regular news. Joe Biden is now president. Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. Do you want uh, movie? <laughs> do you want movie and TV? Well, because he's in a robot. Uh, do you want movie and TV news now instead? Because I did the regular news, yeah. which is a new segment we're introducing this year. That's not the segment I've done the theme tune <laughs> for. Before you get excited, guys, the theme tune wasn't. Bum, 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 bum. Um, so, Matt Damon is seemingly set to return to the MCU via Thor Love and Thunder after he made a cameo more than three years ago in Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Um, he's recently touched down in Australia where he's quarantining in a hotel, oh, the dream, uh, ahead of the shoot. It's not clear at this stage whether he'll be back for a cameo or a bigger role. Um, Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison <laughs> confirmed the casting. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's like the Australian TMZ. Uh, yeah, it says here, he tweeted about it and said... Spotted at airport, <laughs> Hollywood superstar Matt Damon. Um, yeah, so Hollywood superstar Matt Damon joining our homegrown talent to film such a major movie in New South Wales is a big win, creating thousands of jobs for locals. All right, well, it's not all Matt Damon's. No, no, it is. Matt Damon's the one who's employed them all. What? Yeah. So he employs thousands of people. It is Entourage. <gasps> entourage. Oh, a fat turtle. Vinita. Um, Vinnie Drama, Johnny Drama, Drama. and the one who works in a pizza shop. (laughs) Okay, um, that's fine. He's going to be in Australia for the next few months, he says. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do, because he was literally just a blink and miss at Cameo before. Uh, Yes. Apparently he might be playing himself, but I think this is a lie. (laughs) Uh, Fortnite developer and publisher Epic Games could have done this for gaming news. Fuck. Why wasn't I smart enough to think about this as gaming news? Uh, So, uh, they're set to make their first known movie... What? It's set to make its first known movie grant. Okay, hang on. Someone someone at Deadline's getting fired after this. (laughs) Fortnite developer and publisher Epic Games is set to make its first foray into animated movies uh, with the animated feature film Gilgamesh based on the hero from ancient Mesopotamian mythology, which obviously we all knew about. Right? Yeah, sure. Okay. And a Gargamel. Is he yeah, gar- kind is of he- the Smurfs kind of ripped off the Mesopotamians. Is he Gargamel? Uh, so through the Epic Game, uh, sorry, the Epic Mega Grants program, the developer is supporting Latin American animation studio Hook Up and Argentinian firms Duerme Vela and Film Sharks on the project, which will use Epic's Unreal Engine technology to chart the exploits and adventures of the king-turned-deity Gilgamesh, who was immortalised in the Epic poem. Um, I'm not surprised. Like, Epic do these kind of animated films, pretty much, for each one of their games, like each one of the Fortnite games. It'll be that style, and it'll bring all those Fortnite fans into a cinema. Like, it seems like a no-brainer. I'm surprised it's taken this long before they've done it. Hmm. Well, so what's interesting is that it's done through this mega grants fund. 
So it's not an in-house development for the company. Oh, so it might not even be that style. No. It's a, so my guess is it will be the style of the Argentinian, was it an Argentinian? Yeah, yeah. A Latin American animation studio hook up. So if they have previous work, then maybe that will be it. Um, People will hate on it because it's epic, unfortunately. mm. And people don't like epic as a business model. But supporting lesser creators, like people who haven't got that money, to be able to put something out that big and, you know, something with Epic's name out there mm. will get eyes on it, then so be it. So it's using the same, yeah, so it's using the same technology that the game uses. Um, Buenos Aires-based firm Hookup, uh, who have done Winnie the Pooh 123s. There you are, go and watch Winnie the Pooh <laughs> 123s and you'll be able to uh, find out maybe. Okay, cool, that's it. That's That's the news. Yep. Not all of it, guys, don't worry. Cardi B's going to be in a movie. Mm-hmm. Another one. Uh, so, Cardi B has scored her first leading role in a movie. Um, she's set to star in Paramount's upcoming film, Assisted Living, being described as a raucous comedy. You should hope so. <laughs> with tremendous heart. Oh, good. It'll Kevin be a, Hart. It'll be a bit of a... Kevin Hart is not confirmed. Sorry. No, okay, not bad. Um, but Ken Miranda Tremendous Hart. is... Because it said tremendous heart. <laughs> okay. Um, in the vein of... Okay. <laughs> okay. They've, they've already said that it's going to be in the vein of the following <laughs> films. Classic funny films like Tootsie, Sister Act, and Mrs. Doubtfire. Big shoes. Do you think it's going to be more like White Chicks than Mrs. Doubtfire? I think though? it's going to be more Big Mama's House. Mm. So it follows Amber, Cardi B... A small-time crook who finds herself in over her head when a heist goes wrong. Hmm, so far, so sister act. She struggles to find anywhere to hide. So far, so sister act. <laughs> Running out of options, Amber disguises herself as an elderly woman. So far, so Mrs. Doubtfire. And hides out in the one place no one will look. Her estranged grandmother's nursing home. Hilarity ensues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paramount won rights to city living in a competitive bidding war in the spring of 2019. And have just been waiting for someone to come <laughs> along to actually star in it i'm guessing they approached tom cruise a bunch of times um uh script by Kay oigan who is a writer for this is us okay so could this be, is good could, could work i will i don't know maybe it will happen <laughs> it might not happen we never know and that's the that's the thing guys all films could not happen yeah and as we proved this week all films that are happening won't come out for ages now yeah um because everything has been delayed, just in case you were wondering. Uh, Warner Brothers will be releasing Wonka on March 17th, 2023. Mm-hmm. A prequel to Roald Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that focuses on the candy architect. Chocolate architect. <laughs> Willy Wonka's younger days before having his confection empire. Well, then what's even the point of it? That's the only reason I like the dude. Isn't his his youth showed in that Johnny Depp film? Yeah, he he's, basically goes he's just an adventurer in... Like he goes to Latin America or whatever. And he kidnaps the Umpa Lumpers. Yeah. Uh, so the movie's been in development for four years now. Um, David Heyman always has been attached as a producer. Paddington director Paul King is helming it um, with a, a script co-written by Simon Farnaby, who also co-wrote the pa- uh, the Paddington films. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's a good good get. You mm. like Paddington? Yeah. I don't think this is necessary. And the thing is, like, people will go, oh, well, Paddington was an origin story for Paddington. 
Yeah, it was the first film in that. Like, it wasn't the first ever Paddington film. No, but it was the first film in that iteration of it, right? Yeah. I don't need to see, and it was an origin story in so much as the first five minutes he was in Peru and then he was in London. <laughs> you got to get him to London. But this one's going to start with him in London and end up in Peru. Well, this is true. Um, apparently, Timothy Chalamet or Tom Holland are being eyed up, but no confirmation on any of them having talks. Uh, I think this will suck. <laughs> Maybe. Um, the good news is there's no other wide releases dated for 17th of March 2023, so uh, Warner Brothers have really cornered the market there. <laughs> there could be no other films released that weekend, and I don't think I would see it. <laughs> I might not even be doing the podcast by that point. What if they ban podcasts? Wow, that's the future. Mm. Oh, well, wish. if this is the last episode ever, guys, just keep that in mind. Uh, never never let them forget that every episode could be the last episode. <laughs> because, like, God forbid, if you die during the week, okay. I'm never doing this podcast again. <laughs> I don't want to revisit those wounds. <laughs> I wouldn't even release one saying it had happened, and I wouldn't tweet about it either because I'd feel that's too disrespectful. If I die during the week, guys, let everybody know that Alex did it. Thank you. This is this is my cry for help. Mm-hmm. You you give me enough reasons to do it. <laughs> I'm not saying you're asking for it, but I am saying like you're pushing me. Hmm? You're pushing me. Um. Any more news? Yes, Darren Aronofsky is doing a new film called The Whale, which is based on a play from 2002, I think it is. Uh, play by... <laughs> by Samuel Hunter. Oh, I thought you were, as it played by him. No, no, no. The play was written by Samuel Hunter, who is also adapting his, screenplay, his um, play for the screen. Um, focuses on a man in rural Idaho, surrounded by screens and food containers... Uh, he's a 600 pound man and he determinedly eats himself to death nice spoiler alert guys might not be how it ends I've not read past that bit on playnotes.com <laughs> um, so that'll be that um, strange choice for Aronofsky but I'm sure he's got his reasons we'll find out what they are in three years time but the reason I said Brendan Fraser is because he's who's been attached to Star yes and I'm glad that Brendan Fraser's doing more work mm-hmm I've missed him. He'll be back. There's a point in time in Bruno Fraser was the most handsome man in the world. Yeah, 1997. Yep. Wow. What a hunk. All-time classic hunk. Big movie star man. Still handsome now, but imagine having a period of time where you were the most handsome man in the world. Mm. And you only come third in the race of who was in the aviator, uh, not the aviator, the rocketeer, behind... Billy Zane, who wasn't in it, but is in it in my head. And then the guy who was actually in it is second in who was in it in my head. And then I sometimes think, actually, was it Brendan Fraser? <laughs> so he's always third place. But, you know, he's only one behind the guy who was actually in it. So that's pretty good. Uh, Billy Zane's done absolute wonders to get to number one there. <laughs> hey, speaking of wonders. Yeah. Wonder Watch! Told you I'd done a new sequel. I mean, a new theme tune, whatever. Um, so, continuing... <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Continuing in the in the vein of uh, last year's very off. successful Mando watch. Sorry. Oh, shit. I, I actually think I've deleted the, the oh, source sense. file. I can't do the theme tune. Can't wait for the theme tune for Falcon and Winter Soldier. 
Ooh. Oh, no, I know that's going to be already. I think we all do. Remind me of Smash Brothers when it comes to the time. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, WandaVision. Yes. Is a new series on Disney+. Plus. Mm. First three episodes have come out. Yes. We have watched them. You've watched all three now, yeah, you have. I've watched all three and you've watched all three. Guess what, guys? It's our new show that we watched different times, weirdly, because Andy doesn't actually want to watch anything with me. And any time he says, oh, I just want a new series for us to watch together, Mm -hmm. I always say, like, oh, you'd be surprised. And then the next time one happens, all of a sudden he's watching it solo. He's watching it with Alden Ehrenreich. Yes. Everyone's favourite solo. Um, so, first three episodes are out now. Uh, we'll talk... Uh, yeah, I suppose we can talk about it in the abstract yes. and then as time goes on. You better keep up, basically, is what I'm saying. Fine, skip ahead we three and a half we minutes. We won't do any spoilers, really. Oh, you might do spoilers, okay. You're going for spoilers. You're going Vision for- is red. <laughs> or is he? Is he purple? Oh, is he purple? I don't know. I know there's a big debate about whether or not he's purple or red. Burgundy. Yeah. Okay. Vision is burgundy. <laughs> there we go. That's settled. That's canon. So the series follows um, Wonder and Vision, you know, post the events of Endgame, really. Um, but they're in now some kind of modern day sitcom. Mm. Not modern day, sorry. Some 1950s, 1960s, 1970s sitcom mm-hmm. um, where everything's just a little bit kind of Pleasantville. Yes. Um, I don't even know how you explain it past that. No. But it's, um, it's basically set out like a old episode of like Bewitched, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's funny. I think it's intriguing. There's definitely nuggets in there of kind of like, oh, there's something more going on than what meets the eye. But it's very kind of slow burn on that kind of stuff. Um, and it allows itself to get a bit weird and creepy at times. And mm-hmm. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of... It is a relative... I'd say a relatively faithful pastiche of... Um, uh, sort of classic sitcoms. So you've got sort of a, a bit of a honeymooners vibe in the first episode, then Bewitched in the second mm-hmm. The third sort of falls in this weird 1970s sort of, yeah, it, it kind of falls in between. It reminded me of something, and I can't remember what it is now. Anyway, um, but yeah, so it is It is sort of done in this sort of odd sort of pastiche to that while still having sort of, yes, an underlying, certainly in the third episode, an underlying tone of things not quite being as they seem. Yeah. Um, and then there's a thing that happens at the end of the third episode, which really sort of takes it to... A different place. A different place. Um, and this is all going to then feed into Doctor Strange yeah, 2, so. isn't it? Is, yeah, I think it's, it, all, it all will mean something. This is, this is what they've announced, is that this is bridging the gap to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. So that is... When's that coming out? Is that? It's not this year, is it? That's Spider Man. No, this so year. It's next year. Those that should have come out last year. This year. Yes. Okay. Um, so we're three episodes in. Is it twelve in total? Did you tell I me? I think so. Yeah, because I think it was originally nine. They expanded it to twelve. Mm, okay. Um, 
I'm trying to find anything that actually tells me, but unfortunately. Um, I think Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are great in this. Yeah. Um, Paul Bettany basically does a Rick Mayer impression in the second episode, and I loved it. Mm. No, I loved every moment of that. Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of, it's fun. I think I've seen some people complain that they don't really know what's going on. And, oh, is it just this kind of, supposed to be this kind of quirky, oh, we've put these characters in this thing. But I think that's the point of it. Mm-hmm. I think the point of it is that the fact that you've got these characters in this thing that doesn't, it's not a modern day setting. And the point is that it doesn't quite make sense. And actually, I think the problem is, is that there's a culture of everything gets released at once. Mm-hmm. And we're used to just consuming it and being like, okay, I now understand because I've watched five episodes in a row. But yeah, having it kind of released weekly, it's going to make you kind of go, hold on, but I need to kind of watch the next one now in a week's time. Actually, is it kind of nice to have something episodic? I know for Mandalorian, I quite enjoyed having something that I watched weekly. Um, the same as The Boys. Like, I was there like, oh, I really want to know what's going on. But also I kind of like the slow burn of something weekly because I think mm-hmm. so much of our entertainment now is just binged. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I have been stuff in the past and quite enjoyed doing it but um yeah and i think some people kind of need to allow this to breathe and give it time because i think for me i'm really enjoying it. i don't know how which you are i mean the thing is you've taken the best two actors in the mcu in my books and you've put them into a series on their own so it allows them to shine in ways that i don't think they're allowed to mm-hmm. in the films which is good because you get a more you get more of a breadth of what they're able to do in this, and I think that's fun. Um, particularly Elizabeth Olsen, who I think is the you know I mean you know she's the star of the show really. Yeah. I think Paul Bettany is you know doing Paul Bettany very well, but Elizabeth Olsen feels like she's the thing that's anchoring the whole thing, mm-hmm. and I think she has the most it certainly has the most diversity in terms of what she's then able to do within it yeah um so i think you know that's um that's really fun um particularly because it's we've never seen them in a non-ensemble film is that right they're only in the avengers or the captain americas or whatever the civil war or whatever so it's kind of nice to see them in a in a more isolated environment because it, I think it just gives them the ability to shine more. I think the tone of the series, I can tell what it's trying for, and I don't think it's for me. It's not nailing it in you, terms you're of upset because you were told it's like to like Twin Peaks. Well, every what well, like everyone's saying, oh, it's oh, it's definitely Twin Peaks inspired, and I was kind of looking at it and I was like, I can get what they're meaning because Twin Peaks is this weird sort of sort of soap opera sitcom thing that also then has this mysterious element running through it. But I think the mysterious element in this isn't handled quite as deftly as it is in Twin Peaks. It kind of feels... A, I don't know. I, I've, do feel, I've been disappointed with how much it feels like it's just plonked in there. Do you feel that the problem is that as soon as a TV show does something that is slightly off-kilter, it's automatically referred to as being like Twin Peaks. Yeah, because it's a, that's a very specific type of thing, isn't it? And um, and I think just to say that, oh, well, a, a show is a bit weird, you know, Riverdale's been described as Twin Peaksy, And I'm just like, I've not watched Riverdale, and it could well be exactly like Twin Peaks. But I find that very difficult to believe. But at the same time, maybe it is. Fun maybe fact about Riverdale, by the mm-hmm. way. 
So I it's looked exactly at, like Twin well, Peaks. I looked at Riverdale yesterday because I was looking at the lead actor from Songbird, yes. which we'll come on to later. Um, and I looked at the rating of um, Riverdale, and it's rated really highly. And everything is like 7.4s, like 8.5s, apart from every series, there's a musical episode which is rated like 2.4 on mm. IMDb. Like every time, and every time it's just like, please stop doing this. But it's amazing to see all these great reviews and then just terrible ones. Just well, I think what's in interesting it. is that, well, um, other series have done that where they've done like a mm. musical. So Buffy's the one that I'm thinking yeah. of in my head. And I. I remember that being like praised by the fan. Like the fans really loved you know, that I'm wondering episode. whether or not they did like one episode in Riverdale that went really well, and then after that they've gone, "Well, we'll just do it every series." And like every time, it's like, "Oh no!" This so is, is the first musical episode also rated highly? I don't know whether mm. there's one in the first series, but from the second series onwards, yeah, like it's like, "Oh, the teens at the school are practicing for the musical Heather's." And it's like, oh no, here we go. My kind of school, <laughs> I'm going. Maybe you should get into Riverdale. Um, yeah, I mean, what I'll say is, uh, for the sake of Wonder Watch, yes, I will continue watching. Uh, sorry, wow. I'll continue Wonder Watching. Um, I thought you were because awful. at least <laughs> because at least then it gives us the divergence of opinion. It gives and, us something to talk about. Well, you know, because I think I think. It, I've, I was texting my brother about this and saying, as a pastiche of those sitcoms, it does a very good job, yeah. and it tries to sell it as authentically. I mean, there was some stuff about this being the most expensive TV series of all time, potentially twenty five million dollar budget per episode. Interesting, which is insane if that's true. <laughs> um, but you know, there's it's no getting away from the fact Bethany. that I think on a on a thematic level, it really it really gets the. It really gets the tone of the sitcom it's pastiching that week. Yeah. And I think that's interesting. I just think that I'm not as sold by this sort of mystery angle as the general audience seems to be. And maybe that's mm-hmm. just me expecting it to be something that it's we not. We mysteries, and we know this. Well, no, because I like <laughs> mysteries. It's just, I think it's... <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see. I mean, I enjoyed the third episode more than I enjoyed the first two episodes. Because I thought the first two episodes handled the mystery stuff less well than the third one did. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, I think, maybe is now too much mystery as well. Yeah, but it's so maybe I one, do hate mysteries. The second one, I love the magic act. Like, the right, magic yeah. show I thought was great. I had a great time. I'll watch it again. I'll wonder watch it. I'll wonder watch it as well. I, I don't really know what we have to say about no. it other than we'll just keep on. <laughs> we'll wrap it up at the end of the series anyway. Um, what is next? Okay, reviews. Here we go. What a week it's been. Mm-hmm. What a week. Um, that's unrelated to the reviews. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's been a bit a week, guys. It's been a week. Uh, so I'll start with the rental, give you more time to prepare. Um, so the rental uh, is a horror film directed and produced by Dave Franco, uh, co-written by him as well with Joe Swanberg. Um, opened in America in, I think it was June, July time last year. Was was I think it was like the second movie that topped both of the box office through drive-in uh, performance and uh, VOD at the same time. Um, premiered at drive-ins and select theatres, I believe it was, yeah, July 2020, uh, and then has just had a UK release this Friday uh, on Amazon Prime, uh, who've picked up the international distribution, or certainly the UK. Um, 
So the rental is uh, so it's a story of four people who go to a Airbnb type thing for the weekend, and um, upon arriving there, they sort of they get into various different discussions with each other about things, and skeletons are unearthed. And then all of a sudden, people start getting picked off by a masked killer. Um, Classic rental. Well, so so here's the problem: is that I don't think it's any good. And well, you know, it's it's interesting in in a sense because it feels like I had a really pithy sort of summary of it, but I think it sounds mean in in hindsight. <laughs> But the rental very much is, I still know what you did last millennium. Mm-hmm. In that it's so dated, because it feels just like an I know what you did last summer type thing. Including key po- plot points from I know what you did last summer. <laughs> and then it then sort of evolves into this thing where you're watching it and you're going, all of this has been sort of satirized by this point to yeah. death. And actually has been satirized 20 years ago in Scary Movie. And if I'm now watching something in the 21st century, you know, 21 years into it, thinking, hmm, odd that they've gone with this. (laughs) And it kind of feels like, you know, maybe Dave Franco wanted to make a classic 90s sort of slasher movie but then also have half of a mumblecore film in there at the beginning which doesn't it kind of it feels like two completely opposite things are pushing against each other and they're hoping that they meld yeah what actually happens is you just end up with half of a mumblecore film about a tech billionaire or something (laughs) who's just closed a really big deal and then half of a thing where it's just... It's not even... I don't even know if it's half. It might just be the last sort of 30 minutes of it. Just this mass killer arrives and then just does this thing. And I was reading up on it afterwards and um, Dave Franco said, oh, well, I, I've left the ending deliberately ambiguous because I've got some strong ideas for a sequel. Yeah. My strong idea for a sequel is don't, don't fucking do it. Do it. Um, it is, you know, it's available on Netflix... No, sorry, Netflix. Uh, it's available on Amazon Prime now if you're in the UK, certainly. And I think it's on VOD, potentially on Amazon Prime as well uh, in the US. Would I recommend it? No, I don't think it's particularly good. Uh, I mean, uh, The thing is, it's got Dan Stevens in it, right? Mm-hmm. And after we were talking about Eurovision last year and at the end of the year when we were talking about Eurovision with regards to the worst film of the year, yeah. I'm worried that this is not going to do good films anymore. <laughs> Um, so I suppose if you're a Dan Stevens or an Alison Brie completist, then go and watch it. Or if you're thinking that, hey, this might be the start of another breathtaking career for a Franco. I don't know. I don't know if it is. Um, I would not recommend. But, hey, if you haven't seen any horror movies from the last 30 years, <laughs> you might think right. this is original. Um, should I talk about another Amazon it Prime isn't. movie? Yes. So, on Amazon Prime, um, the film Songbird, which is the Michael Bay-produced, um, Adam Mason-written and directed film that has to be lauded because it was done entirely throughout the pandemic. So, mm-hmm. it was done all while in lockdown. Yeah, I think it, was, um, it started filming in July last year, was it? Yeah. Basically, the plot is 
so I've got here, 2023, a pandemic ravages the world and its cities, centering on a handful of people as they navigate the obstacles currently hindering society, disease, martial law, quarantine, and vigilantes. Um, it stars people like um, a- KJ Appa, Sophie Carson, Craig Robinson, Bradley Whitford, Peter Stormare, um, D- Alexandra Daddario, someone else, Paul Waterhouse is in here as well. It's pretty terrible. Paul Waterhouse. Like, it's pretty terrible. Like, mm-hmm. For starters, the leads of our film are like they're supposed to believe in this star crossed lovers kind of film. Mm. Um, of Nico, our main character, has immunity, and his girlfriend he's never physically met, but they're in love. And her mother falls ill, and they're going to be taken to the quarantine zone. Which you know, the film sounds quarantine as basically this thing of you go there and you never come back, and mm. it's all on fire, and nobody lives there happily, and you never hear from anyone. And it really plays on those kind of fears. Um, but they're a really boring couple. Mm-hmm. And everyone in this film is really boring. And you've got Paul Waterhouser playing this guy who, you know, he was a, a I think he was like a Iraq or Afghanistan um, soldier who came back from the war and he started kind of sheltering from the public before the pandemic even hit. Sure. Because he didn't want to go outside and see people um and, you know, he decided that he wanted to stay indoors. And then the pandemic hit, and now he's forced self-isolated. And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm isolating before it was cool. But it's handled with such a heavy hand mm. that his character just seems like this weird kind of weird stereotype. Um, and all of the characters in the film feel like that. Mm-hmm. It all feels like, um, oh, we want to talk about loneliness in the digital age and stuff like that and how this pandemic has affected people in terms of kind of forming relationships and yeah, how people take chances to try and make sure that they can live outside the the rules and the tyranny of, mm. you know, because the government will put a gun to your head unless you show that you've got this immunity band. Um, and, you know, this is, this is how the government are going to control this pandemic and stuff like that. And... So the main problem is the one that I thought would be the case, mm. which is the film seems really inappropriately timed. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought there was something really soulless about writing an apocalyptic movie about a current pandemic that's killing people, thousands of people per day, mm-hmm. and doing it for high drama. Mm. <laughs> like, it seems really badly timed. But when they use it, like... One of the characters' catchphrase, like Peter Stormare, is kind of hamming it up a treat, as apparently because we need a villain that isn't just a virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of his catchphrases is um, "Stay safe, sane, and sanitized." I'm like, for a pandemic that is um, affecting mental health on astronomical, you know, scales, it seems really weird for that to be your mm. kind of go-to line. Um, but then it seems like it's a really, it's almost like they went, oh, we want it to be a film that, like, it seems like the world has ended and everything is, you know, it's the end of days, Mad Max. You've got, like, Ferris wheels that have rusted in half. Mm-hmm. It's been three years. Yeah. It's been three years. It's just poor quality iron. Yeah. Like, it's got to be, like, poor quality mechanics. Um, but then it's also, like, but also we want this to be really realistic of, like, this is what it would be in a pandemic. Sure. Um, and it doesn't know where it wants to stay. Hmm. And the biggest crime this film commits is it's just not interesting. Yeah. At any point, none of these characters are characters are likable. Mm-hmm. Um, the twists and the shocks seem really forced. Mm-hmm. 
It's very predictable. And it's just boring. And no matter what crimes it commits of being a horribly timed film, the fact that it's a dull film is actually the biggest crime it can commit. Yeah. And I don't know anyone who would watch this and enjoy it Mm. uh, because I don't know where the enjoyment comes. And it has to be, you know, it has to be praised that this film has come out during, during, uh, it was filmed in lockdown. Like, and it's incredible that, you know. Any production that's able to be completed and, you know, we're aware that everything is now back under underway, basically, in terms of that. And in the scale in which it's done, like, Mm -hmm. you know, there are, there are crowd shots, there are, you know, it it could have come out any year. But when, but when you're isolating those things and saying, well, these are the things that are impressive in a way about it, mm. then fundamentally it misses the target, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I do think, like, I look at it and I go, technically, you managed, you managed to pull mm. off a film. Like, you made a film. But if you told me this was made... Um, by like one of those people who've gone, oh, yeah, I'm just going to throw a film together and me and my friends are going to get together like a 2.5 million or something and we'll mm. throw our own film out. I wouldn't believe, I would believe that would be the case because the weirdest thing about this film is you've got big stars in it. Yeah. Like you've got actual names in it and I think they are trying their best, mm. but the writing is awful yeah. for all of them. Like every character is written so badly that I'm like, I believe this is just like a student film. <laughs> Yeah, and I wonder if it's just a case of... I, I was reading that um, it was basically an idea that was, was germinated sort of in March last year. Mm-hmm. And do you wonder if it's just a case of they felt like it was a race against time for it to Absolutely. still be relevant because they didn't know how long at that point the whole thing was going to continue Absolutely, for. and don't get me wrong. I think that we will have a whole host of films that are about this period of time in history. Mm-hmm. That will happen, and it will be hopefully in, you know, five, ten years' time. Well, we've already had three or four productions that have come out about this thing. Yeah. And uh, uh, fictional narrative features rather than documentaries. I know we've just... uh, There's a documentary coming out Mm -hmm. this week, I think, about it. But it kind of feels like all of those are just... Maybe just, you know, unless you've got a genuine take on it, unless you've got something where... I mean. Maybe it's just a difficult thing to to balance. Yeah. Because, you know. Well, it seems a lot like kicking a man while he's down. Like, I'm watching mm. the film, I'm like, you're there basically going, so I'm here living in 2021, mm. living with, you know, the worst virus of our times. And they're going, hey, in 2023, this new strain is more deadly. I'm like, yeah. I'm hearing people on the screen saying the current virus we have is getting more and more deadly strains. Mm. And you're on the TV in the movies going, oh, but imagine it got more deadly. Mm. Um, and it just seems really kind of, it leaves a bad taste in the mouth. Um, and I understand you're trying to do these vignettes of people, but unless you write something interesting, then your film is just a bad film. Yeah. I don't know if there's much more I can say. So would this have competed, had you seen it in time, would this have competed with, Fantasy Island was your worst of last year? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this would have ranked lower? 
I think it's there, there, probably lower, yeah, because I think it's it does the biggest crime of being not only a bad film but also mm. a wrong film. Because it also could have competed, by the way, for the nerve stupidest film of the year because there is some absolute stupidness in this. Um, because uh, when it came out, it basically just came and went within the first week. Mm-hmm. Like it was like number four or five on the charts for for premium VOD rentals for the first week, and then it just disappeared. And then here we are, like, a month and a half later, and they've just gone, ah, we'll put it out for free now. <laughs> yeah. We've made it as much money as we were going to make I'm from it. I'm glad that not many people are watching this. Like, mm. I just think that, like, at this point in time, then when we talk about, like, certain films, we're like, oh, actually, like, I don't want to keep talking about, you know, the period of time we're in. Yeah. But we keep talking about, like, we talk about films, and we're like, oh, that's actually a good film to see in this time because it's, you know it raises the spirits or you feel good about yourself. This is just a dour experience. Right. Um, and it's it's mercifully short. It's like mm. an hour and a half long, an hour and 40 long. But I can think of a thousand things I'd rather do than ever watch this film again. Mm. Okay. Um, okay, so moving on to the final thing this week then. Uh, Pieces of a Woman, which uh, came on to Netflix on the 7th of January. Yes. I'm excited um, to hear about this because I saw it come out and I haven't seen it. So, yeah, directed by Hungarian filmmaker Cornel Mondrosko uh, from a screenplay by Kata Weber. Um, Vanessa Kirby is our central lead, um, Martha, who at the beginning of the film goes through a traumatic home birth uh, that ends in an infant's death. Mm-hmm. And then the film from there is an exploration... I don't think that's a spoiler because that is the... The point. It is the opening movement of the film and to be fair, that opening movement is 25 minutes long, but it is the entire basis of the film. If I don't Mm. say that now, I won't be able to (laughs) talk about this film. Um, And then the rest of the film is sort of an exploration of her dealing with her grief in her way and then her family members dealing with their grief in their way or dealing with her grief in their way might be more the point mm-hmm. um so this is seen as well certainly was seen as an early front runner for um awards contention and i think on a performance level there is something to that i think as a film as a as an overall film i don't think it particularly holds up but i think the performances are really interesting here so uh vanessa kirby it has to be said is phenomenal in this film um i think she does a really you know i've I've seen her in a few things and really enjoyed her and then this is just this is clearly just a film where she is showcasing her ability Mm. as a performer um and it's not it's it's one of those performances where it doesn't necessarily feel like it's being um you know, often you can you can get a film where okay, so a good example actually is it's similar to Manchester by the Sea in mm-hmm. terms of the performances of the leads in those films. They aren't necessarily what you you know. Casey Affleck's performance in that film is quite downplayed, yeah. and at times Vanessa Kirby's performance is very downplayed in here, and her coping with her loss is just trying to get back to her life as it was before. And the the obstacles standing in her way, other than the unresolved stuff there, is that everyone else in her life, 
wants to make sure that they are seen to be doing everything they can that they believe is the right thing to do in that instance. Mm. So that includes her mother, played by Ellen Burstyn, who's just fantastic, you know, gets, I, I think it's 12 or 13 minutes of screen time in the whole thing, but it's just great. Um, you know, her concocting this idea of, oh, we need to, the the midwife who attended your home birth, we need to sue her for negligence and we need, you know, don't you want someone to pay for this? And there is a really sort of interesting dynamic that sort of unfolds there. The issues, I think, for me were that other than the performances, which I think are very good, the film itself ends up... So, for example, that negligence lawsuit thing that's brought up, it really ends up feeling almost unbelievable in terms mm. of how it comes to pass and and the setup for how it works. You know, there's characters who are introduced purely for the convenience of, they'll help us with this lawsuit thing. Yeah. And then you're going, okay, but they're also family members and they've also got the, this personal connection here and this, this, and that. And you end up kind of going, I don't think that stuff works. And ultimately, that's a disappointment because the film itself could have been a very... And I think it still works as an exploration of grief and as an exploration of someone coming to terms with a huge devastating loss and trying to juggle their own feelings mm-hmm. with also being pushed and pulled in you know seven different directions by their partner by their mother by their sister you know it it feels it feels very much like it's it's this really interesting character study that is wrapped up in this film that is actually less interesting because it yeah. feels more unbelievable and the fact of the matter is you've got a really believable performance at the heart of it. But I think the film itself maybe fails to be that exploration of grief that it tries to be, whereas the performance still manages to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's a difficult one because I want to say I would recommend it purely based on those performances. And I think Vanessa Kirby and Ellen Burstyn are very, very good in this. Um, but there are... <laughs> Is this eligible for the Oscars? Yes. And do you think that it's the kind of forms that could it's get oh at I least think in the conversation? So I think I think Vanessa Kirby will get nominated. I think Ellen Burstyn will probably get nominated for Best Supporting as well. Mm-hmm. Everything I'm reading seems to be indicating that as well. And after seeing it, I agree that those are but I think the ones that were saying, Oh well, best picture maybe or best screenplay I'm there going, Just I don't know. I don't know, because I would say that the performances are the reason to watch this film. And if you're interested in seeing them, and if you, you know, you might you might watch it and feel like it completely gets that right. Mm-hmm. And if you do, then, you know, good. Because that's clearly what it's aiming for. And you can tell it's aiming for that. Yeah. I don't think it ever tries to feel cliched. And I but saw- it does. For, or, or for me, it did. But I can't guarantee that that's going to be the same for everyone. But I think Vanessa Kirby's performance is as good as any I've seen. You know, we're talking about Viola Davis in Ma Rainey. Mm. You know, it's up there with that in terms of just the quality of the acting on display is really good. Yeah, I saw um, some comments underneath that. Because I saw a clip of this Mm. put out by Netflix basically saying it was up. Um, And that's basically the reason I knew it existed. And I saw some people underneath saying, you know, 
I've been through similar situations and the film gets that and it's not a nice watch. Mm -hmm. Like it's not pleasant viewing, but it at least seems honest. Yeah. I mean, the, the big sort of, the big sort of pull to it at the the start was the fact that this 24, 25 minute birth uh, labor and birth sequence at the start is a, um, is a long take. Mm hmm. And you kind of go, okay, so is, you know, is it... And and that is a really difficult scene to watch. That whole section is really agonising. And that's great. And that's when it's at its best, I think. And that's the opening of the... You know, that's the problem is as a film, that's its best. But the performance continues through. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. you know, so... It's on the cusp of would it be a would recommend or would it be a that'll do pig but with caveats. Yeah. And I think it's a that'll do pig with caveats for me. But I can completely understand because I've seen people saying both things, saying, you know, I've gone through similar experiences and this really nails that, you know, it gets mm-hmm. to the heart of the issue. But I've also seen people saying I've been through similar experiences and this completely doesn't get what I've yeah. been through. But ultimately, I think it's a very personal film. And I think that's maybe where it comes to is that you may get, you know, every single person might get something completely different. They might think it's awful. But I think mostly it succeeds due to the fact that those, that certainly that central performance is as good as it is. Um, so, yeah, I think I'll I'll go with the that'll do pig with caveats. Well, there we go, guys. Like, First chunk of reviews really for this year, um, of films this year, and we got one that'll do pig with caveats and two not recommends. And this is why we cut down to once every two weeks, guys. They're not making good <laughs> enough films anymore. Um, anyway, that's it. That's we it for this it. week. I think, isn't we it? Yeah, got the end of another week, guys. We did it. Don't make it sound like they've achieved something. We've achieved something. This is an easy listen. <laughs> People listening to this are just, you know. Chilling out in their gardens in the snow. What? Oh, okay. It is snowing more again now. Oh, it's like Christmas. I mean, you only like it because you don't have to go out in it. I like it. I, I like snow in this point in time where yeah. it's coming down and it looks pretty. Yeah. And like, if I was going to go out in snow, I'd go out now. Mm-hmm. When it's a bit crunchy and I'm like, oh, this is okay. Mm. Tomorrow I hate it because it freezes and yeah. then I fall over. Sure. And then it becomes the worst thing I've ever seen. Okay. Oh, thank God we're locked inside. Woo! Um, do you have anything you want to tell the listeners before next week? I love them all. Okay. Um, um, I've got something to tell the listeners. Okay. Yeah, me and Andy are getting a divorce. Oh, no. This is the first I heard of it. You're getting two Christmases, guys. <laughs> you know what? You're getting one Christmas. And one Hanukkah. I'm converting. You're going to get the dinosaur Christmas. Yeah. Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Um, it means two theme months. I mean, they're both in the same month, but you know, we'll make it work somehow. <laughs> the sidecast is coming back. <gasps> yes. Happy on Christmas. The thing that the Jewish community have been absolutely railing for all this time. We want a sidecast. Well, you're gonna get one all year round. <laughs> um, Be guys, careful what you wish. It's a real monkey's paw of a situation. If you, you want a sidecast, but not hosted by me. <laughs> If you like what you heard, mm. maybe give it a subscribe on whatever app you're listening us to. And if you haven't subscribed, how'd you find us? Um, 
How'd they find those shoes? <laughs> what, you've got to see Super Secret Subscribe Club? Well, I think only subscribers will find us. Yeah. Because it comes into their inbox. And they forgot to press unsubscribe. If, if you if you found us and you didn't subscribe, tweet at well DinosaurMan15 and say, I found you because this. And then give us the reason. Don't yeah. just say because this and then no more tweet. That would be stupid. And I'll tweet back at you saying, cool. You know what? And I'll tweet back at you saying, shalom. And I'll tweet back at you, a gift of the funds. And then I will delete our Twitter account. <laughs> because I've... <laughs> I've said we will never tweet a gif of the Fonz again. Not after last time. <laughs> but that's where you can contact us, guys. Mm-hmm. The best place is Dinosaur at DinosaurMan15 on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Neves did the theme song. Tell us we're wrong about movies. Yeah, we are. Tell us we're right about movies. It we're makes not. us feel better. <laughs> uh, Johnny Neves did the theme song. This week it was whatever, I don't know. It was sung by a songbird. Oh, well, how about that? And here we go. This is the end, and we wrap every episode up exactly the same way. For any new listeners, we've always wrapped the episode up exactly the same way. Happy birthday to whoever it is whose birthday it is today. If you're listening and it's your birthday, I got you a bicycle. Just go outside, open that front door. There it is. Unwrap that present. It's a bicycle, brand new bicycle for you. Congratulations. Every episode. Uh, <laughs> See you later, guys. Oh.